Okay. Good evening, everybody, and uh, my name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and I want to welcome you again to the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, our monthly telephone conference. And this particular lecture is going to be recorded by Airs LA. So if you want to refer to it later and listen, you could go to www.airsla.org, airsla.org. And there you could click the vision link, and then you click the link that says Council of Citizens with Low Vision, and you could actually refer to all the different types of lectures that we've done. We've had lectures on all sorts of variety aspects of low vision. Now, today we're going to talk about different types of things that you see that aren't really there. And this is something that's very, very common among many folks who are visually impaired. We have it very frequently where a patient will come into our clinic and they will say, Doctor, gosh, I think that I'm seeing something, but when I look at it, it really isn't there. So we're going to talk about some of these things, and it's very, very important that you understand some of these because some of them could be signs of an emergency that you do need to see a doctor, and others are things that are quite normal. Now, the first thing that we're going to talk about is just a review of the anatomy and how is it that we see. We know that the eyes are very, very important structures that simply receive light. And when the light from a person's face or a light from a television or a light from the sky, when that enters the eye, it then hits the very back tissue of the eye called the retina. Now the retina is made up of millions of cells and these cells will convert the light into an electrical signal and this electrical signal is then sent down through a nerve called the optic nerve, which then goes all the way to the very, very back part of your head where there is the occipital lobe of the brain. So it's really almost like a three-step process. The light enters the eye and creates an electrical signal. The signal then gets sent back to the brain, and then the brain then processes it. So one of the more common types of things that can happen is that we often will see a lot of fog. I remember once I had a patient who called and it was an emergency and he said, you know, I thought I was driving at night and I, I had to stop my car because it became so foggy. And my wife then asked me, what are you doing? Why are you stopping the car? And he said, oh, it's so foggy. I can't see a thing. Well, this was a situation where he thought he was seeing fog, but there really was no real fog. His wife thought he was going sort of crazy. Why are you stopping? There's no fog out there. It's perfectly clear. But in this case, it was the very front structure of his eye called the cornea. The cornea is the very front structure of the eye, and this is the part of the eye that is going to focus light into the back of the eye. Now, the cornea could sometimes become very clouded right away if a person has high pressure. Now, the eye is made up of a watery fluid, and this water can build up in the eye, and this could cause the cornea, or the very front of your eye, to become very, very cloudy, and this makes things appear to be foggy. This is an indication of early signs of possible glaucoma. Remember, this does not mean that you do have glaucoma, but this is one of the signs if a person sees things as suddenly being very foggy, and you might look at a light and it looks like there's a halo around it, well, that often could mean that the pressure of the eye is so high 
that it's caused the cornea to become clouded. If any of you have glaucoma, it's very, very important that you take notice if you do see things suddenly more foggy. Because if it is suddenly more foggy, it could mean that your pressure of your eye has increased. And if this pressure of the eye increases too much, it could actually cause permanent vision loss and damage to the nerves of the eye. You want to go and call your eye doctor and see if you could get into that office immediately. If your doctor is not available, you then want to go to your emergency room because emergency room physicians are really capable of giving you eye drops that could really lower the pressure of the eye. So again, the first thing that you might see that is not really there would be fog, and this might be an indication of increased pressure. So you could call your doctor or you could go to the emergency room and you might want to just tell them, I can't see. You could even exaggerate it. I can't see and things are just very, very foggy. Now another type of thing that people will often see is that people might often see things that are going to be floating within their vision. These could be things that look like flies. There might be a dozen or two dozen flies that are just floating in front of you and you might reach with your hand to try to swat them away and you don't hit them. You don't touch them with your hands. And then you might move your eyes to a different location and you see all of these flies again. Or in other cases it might even look like spider webs that are floating. In some people they have said this looks like there's germs. They look like spiral bacteria that are actually floating right before my eyes. Well this is something that you would see that is not actually there and this is something that's called like a form of a floater. Now these types of things that are floating in your vision are something that's actually inside your eye. Inside the back of the eye, the eye is filled up with a Vaseline type of a jelly and this is called the vitreous. Now many times some of the fibers within the vitreous they will clump together and this will cast a shadow on your eye so your retina or the back of the eye will actually see something. Now this is something that appears as though that there's something floating in midair but it's actually not there. Or we might see many times that you might be reading a newspaper or you might be simply sitting in your home looking at a white wall or you might be looking at the evenly colored blue sky and you might see all these types of things floating. Now these types of floaters are a very, very common type of thing that we see. Many people who are nearsighted, they will have these floaters very, very often because their eye is a little bit longer. Now when the eye is longer, it causes some of these fibers in the vitreous gel to sort of shrink and condense and it could cast a shadow on the eye. We also see that if a person has been hit, if you've been hit in the head, or it could even be something that you just jump on your bed and land sort of on your pillow, this could cause some of these types of floaters to appear. Now to be safe, anybody who ever sees these types of floaters, you want to go ahead and you want to be seen by a retina specialist. Retina specialists are experts in examining the vitreous and the retina, and we want to go ahead and be seen by a retina specialist because sometimes Seeing these types of black spots or floaters could be an indication of a retinal detachment. And like glaucoma, where the pressure could go up very high, a retinal detachment is also something that could cause a person to lose a very, very high percentage of their vision. Now, in most cases, 
these types of floaters are things that will often go away with time. You know, at first, it could be very, very annoying where a person says, I can't stand it. Every time I'm looking at the wall, I see these types of things floating in my field of vision. Well, your eye doctors could often prescribe glasses that has a slight tint, which helps it so that you often don't see the floaters as much. Now, with time, these floaters will often just sink to the bottom of your eye, and as a result, when it does sink to the bottom of the eye, you may not see these types of floaters again. But overall, floaters is something that you have to take quite seriously because it again can be an indication of a retinal detachment or some type of a retinal tear. Another common thing that patients will say that they see that's not really there are lightning streaks. We call these lightning streaks flashes. Many times a person might simply move their eye to their right or to their left and they might see something that looks like a lightning bolt. People might see this both during the night or during the day and these types of flashes are again often an indication that the retina is being pulled on. This type of a flash is something that you might continue to occur each time you turn your head and it's quite common that if you were hit in the head that you will start to begin to see these flashes. A combination, if you see both a flash of light and the floaters, that combination together is often a very, very strong sign that you might have suffered from a tear to the retina and a retinal detachment, and you want to then go ahead and tilt your head backwards. Tilt your head backwards so you're facing the sky or the ceiling, and you then want to go ahead and call your ophthalmologist so that he or she could take a look at it. The great thing about identifying or finding a tear to the retina or flashes and floatings that are caused by a retinal detachment are that these are things that can be treated. A retinal specialist can reattach a retina and with this type of a treatment you won't have to significantly lose vision. However, if you let it go and the retina detaches completely, many people will lose all of their vision. So again, be aware if you see some of these types of lightning bolts. Another thing that people might say is that they might often see spots, different types of very, very excitingly sparkling images. Now these types of images could often occur because of a few different things. Number one, if you simply were to tap your eyeball or if you were to rub your eye very hard, a lot of times that type of mechanical pressure will cause stimulation to the cells of the retina and the retina will send a signal to the brain. Now many kids, you might see kids who often poke their eyes with their finger and they poke it very, very hard. This is very, very common that we see among children who are born premature where they poke their eyes very hard. Now what this does is it activates some of these retinal photoreceptors and it sends a signal to the back of the brain. So if you're rubbing your eye and you start to see these types of spots or these sparkle types of things that look like fireworks, this is often because you cause that type of mechanical type of pressure to the retina. Now these are things that are again very, very common and very normal. Now what if you ever see this type of a phenomenon and you're not poking and you're not pushing on your eye? This is something that could often be an indication that there's some changes to the back of the brain. This is called the occipital lobe of the brain where we talked about there might be issues that are affecting how does blood get to the back of the brain. We see many people who have migraine headaches and with a migraine headache 
it could sometimes cause the blood vessels in the brain, not in the eye, but in the brain, that these blood vessels will dilate and they might shrink and constrict and get larger and they might even pulsate. So when the blood vessels of the brain start to change shape like that, a person might see fireworks. Other times, people who have a migraine headache, they may see a very rainbowish, scintillating type of image around the face of a person. I remember my mom, when she was younger, she would get these migraine headaches all the time. It was probably because of me and my two older brothers. We were probably just such bad kids that, you know, we drove her crazy. But she would often get these migraine headaches, and when that happened, she would see this type of a scintillating rainbow effect around our faces. We used to tease her. We'd say, see, Mom, you know, we're like angels. You're seeing the halos around our head. We didn't do anything wrong. But in reality, that migraine headache was causing the blood vessels around her brain to put pressure on the brain, and she would see this image. Other times, people will say that they see a broken glass appearance. They might be driving in the car and looking out at the scenery, and suddenly it looks like somebody broke the glass, or it might appear to them as though they're looking at a mirror, and things just are not continuous. It's like somebody broke the mirror, and you were looking at yourself. This is another type of thing that is often related to migraine headaches. What we tell many of our patients is that when they do see some of these types of phenomenon, if they see this rainbow scintillating image, or if they do see these other types of broken glass appearance, this is often an indication that they're about to have a severe migraine headache. And this is when many people might drink coffee or drink a Coca-Cola because these types of drinks do have caffeine and this will then constrict the blood vessels so there's less pressure on the brain and it could often prevent the severe headache pain and also can prevent a lot of that type of nausea. Some of the medications that your neurologist or your physician might prescribe if you do have headaches of these types are simply that. These are medications that will constrict those types of blood vessels so that you don't have that type of pain. Another common type of thing that we have people complain about is they often say that they see spots. And they say that these are things that look like a glowing type of a light. And it could be in the center of the vision or it could be in the peripheral vision. And these are things that we often ask, were you exercising? Do you see this while you're exercising? Some of these kinds of things that you see are often an indication that the eye or the brain, the visual centers of the brain, are not getting enough oxygen. If you were ever to really sprint really, really hard, or let's say that you were a, a marathon runner and you're running very hard, there's often times that you're simply out of breath and you're not actually able to get enough oxygen to the eye or the brain. You may see these types of spots. You might have all experienced a similar situation where, let's say that you were lying down and you're watching a movie and you watch the movie for three hours and you got up. Well, when you get up suddenly, the blood is not pumped up to the eyes or to the brain and you may either see things fading or you might even see spots or you might even see other types of images. That's a similar type of effect where you might see these types of images when you don't have enough oxygen getting up to your eyes and brain. Now, if any of you have macular degeneration, you don't have to be afraid if you see things. 
I couldn't remember the first time. It might have been about 1988 or 1987. It was one of my first patients I ever saw with macular degeneration. And the gentleman told me, he says, you know, Doc, I'm here because when I eat my soup, I'm seeing picket fences in my soup. And I thought to myself, my gosh, this patient, what is wrong with this gentleman? He's sort of, you know, crazy. He must have dementia. And I went ahead and I examined his eyes and there was nothing there. I was looking to see if there was a blood hemorrhage on his macula or if there were the floaters or what could it be that's causing him to see these fences in his soup. And I did this complete thorough examination and I then went to one of the other doctors and I said, you know, I can't find anything. Do you mind taking a look? And he told me that as many as a third or even more, there's probably even more people with macular degeneration who have this phenomenon. This is called the Charles Bonnet syndrome. Now, this is a syndrome that was discovered or reported in the literature by Dr. Charles Bonnet. And we find that many people who do have macular degeneration, and I also see people who do have diabetic retinopathy, Stargardt's disease, or other types of conditions, that they often will claim that they do see these images. Now, the difficulty about this type of thing is that many people realize that it doesn't make sense. I shouldn't be seeing picket fences in my soup, but I don't want to tell anybody because they're going to think that I'm crazy. I'm an old man. I'm an old woman. They might put me into a retirement home or they might think that I really have lost my mind. So it's very important that we as doctors and that you as people who are with others who have low vision that you tell them about this so that these folks do not think that they are crazy because many times as you tend to perseverate on what you think you're seeing sometimes you have a hard time getting this out of your mind we find that many people who do have this type of syndrome often after that they learn that this is somewhat normal they don't think about it all the time and often they don't see it quite as much what we also find is that for many people they're able to eliminate this type of a visual image by teaching them how to simply make it go away by closing their eyes when a person is closing their eyes the brain then knows that I should not really see anything at that point in time now when the eyes are open the brain thinks I should see something but because the center of the vision is damaged because of macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy many times the brain thinks I should be seeing something and whatever it is that they see it triggers a visual memory something that you have seen before and it might associate it with that so for example when this gentleman was eating pea soup I was talking to him I said well you know tell me where you've ever seen a picket fence before he goes well it reminds me when I was a kid you know we had this picket fence that was right along the lush area of our grass in the backyard and I remember that I even had my rabbits back there and he said you know what I have seen rabbits also inside my soup as well and he started to laugh but a lot of these things are related to your visual memory what you have seen before it's the same thing I had another gentleman who told me that every time that he's walking along the grass if it's a large area of grass that is when he started to see these things and he said that he would see all these little kids toys and he said it sort of reminded him when he was a younger man playing with his kids in the park 
he would take his kids to the park and have the blanket with all the toys and things like that. And now when he walks just in the park, he says he starts to see some of those things. So basically, the visual areas of the brain, it often has this memory of what it has seen. So if it sees a lot of green, it might associate it with what it was seen there in the grass. Now there's other situations where a person may have suffered from a stroke or a lack of oxygen to the occipital lobe of the brain. And this is something that could actually cause true hallucinations. So these are situations where there's a true hallucination because that part of the visual part of the brain has been damaged. It could be damaged because of a tumor or it could be damaged because of the fact that there's a lack of oxygen or it could be damaged because of different pressure. A person might have had a stroke and the hemorrhage leaked blood which caused pressure on that part of the brain. So in a situation where there is physical damage to the occipital of the brain, it can cause some of these types of hallucinations. In some cases, a shunt might be inserted to reduce fluid pressure from hydrocephalus, and this often can help. In other cases, there might be other types of medications that might be prescribed. So overall, there's a wide variety of different types of things that a person can actually see that you cannot feel with your hands. They're not physically out there in space, but it's your brain telling you that there's something there when it's not. With these types of symptoms, it's always, it's always going to be safer to talk to your ophthalmologist or talk to your optometrist, and they could do the appropriate types of testing. We want to make certain that it's not something such as a retinal detachment or high pressure to a glaucoma. You want to have these kinds of tests performed so that you yourself know that it's not something that could cause further damage to your eyes. And it's also really important. I want all of you out there to remember that even if you do have macular degeneration, it is possible that you could get glaucoma. Or if you have glaucoma, it's possible that you could get diabetic retinopathy. So as a result, it's very important that you take care of your eyes and that you have your eyes checked routinely because we very often see people who don't go to see their eye doctors after they've been diagnosed with a condition because their doctors told them, well, there's nothing more that I can do. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing more that could be done to maintain the health of your eyes. So I recommend that you go and continue to be seen by your eye doctors. So I hope this was helpful to you, and uh, we're going to go ahead and open it up to questions. So if you press star 6, that will bring you back online, and we could go ahead and take some questions. Okay? All right, are there any questions out there right now? All right, the question is, what about a phenomenon like when a person sees something that does look like a searchlight? When you've seen lights that might be panning across the sky and things of that nature. Well, these could be a couple of different things. Most often, this is something that would be more neurological, okay, where the brain is actually sending different types of signals to the regions that are going to create that particular type of perception. I know that this is something that I would see some things like this when I fo first woke up in the middle of the night. I would wake up, I would open my eyes to get up to go to the bathroom and such, and then suddenly I thought that I was seeing a, a spotlight that was actually moving within within my room. And I would close my eyes and blink and say, you know, try to wake myself up, make certain I was awake. 
and I would still see some of these types of things. So I did see a, a ophthalmologist, and the ophthalmologist told me about the fact that sometimes as, as we do awaken, we, we find that as we stand up, again, the amount of blood that suddenly is pushed up to the brain, to the visual centers, it might immediately be a little bit low. And as we then start to walk a little bit, the blood starts to pump up better as the heart is pushing. So the spotlight type of effect is something that is often a, a neurological now, if you do see this type of a thing repeatedly, or with any of these types of situations, if you see it when you do something, then that could be indicative of where is the problem. Let's say that you do see this spotlight type of the image every time that you move your eyes. Well, that could be an indication that as you're moving your eyes, some of the gel inside the eye is putting pressure onto the retina, and it's causing that kind of image. So try to keep note of when do you see these things. When do you see it? Do you see it with your eyes open? Do you see it with your eyes closed? Is there something you could do to make it go away? Is there something you could do to make it come back? And when does it seem to be associated with? Those are all some very, very good things to try to pay special attention to as you're going to go ahead and, and communicate this information to your doctor. Okay, next question. Yes, Sam, go ahead. Yeah, this is a really interesting question about when Sam does martial arts and he's doing deep breathing, uh, different types of meditation. This is almost a form of meditation. When you breathe in and out, breathing through your diaphragm, this is something that in Tai Chi, it really is affecting different aspects of energy and the different types of meridians. Now, we do know that when people really could slow their breathing, their heart rate down in this way, we find that they often are going into a very high level of visualization. Now, visualization is almost a sense where the, the brain is going into a area of almost emptiness. And when there is that type of emptiness, the brain is almost disconnected. In other words, the brain doesn't really pay attention to what you hear, what you smell, or what you might see. And the brain will picture things in its own mind. Now, I have met many people who are very, 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 very strong meditation people. And they often feel that there have been times where they could meditate to get to a point where they're in nirvana. And this is where it's something that often takes them hours to get into that particular state. And they often will report things that are very similar to what you're reporting. So what you are seeing there, this is not anything that's related to your eye. It's not anything related to the nerve that comes from the eye to the brain. And it's not really even something where there's pressure or there's a lack of oxygen that's going into the occipital of the brain. This is really the visual centers of the brain visualizing. And it's creating these types of images as you think of, of, of nothing. So I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very impressed with your ability to meditate to that level because I have... I have worked very hard on trying to meditate to that level and I I have never seen anything like that 
when when I meditated and tried to visualize, I've seen McDonald's Big Mac hamburgers. <laughs> I I've never seen anything really, you know, what other people have told me they've seen. No matter how hard I tried to, I I haven't seen that. I visualized a hamburger that I was getting hungry. <laughs> so. I I think that's really really very strong mental power that you have to meditate that way. Next question. Yes, yes, and I believe that uh, in in the question is, as a person who is totally blind, why is it that she sees many of these symptoms that we talked about? Well, in situations where the blindness is caused due to neurological problems. Whether it's going to be a brain tumor or a stroke, we see that a lot of the types of stimulation and the neural activity in the brain is often going to create this type of perception. You know, there's been many, many studies that have shown that you could simply stimulate the different regions of the brain, and it would cause a person to see certain things. For example, when a animal or a human being Did not have any eyes. If the eyes were removed and you stimulated different parts of the brain, it would actually cause different types of images to appear. It could be lights. It could be sparkles. It could be glowing images. It could be flashes. It could be rainbows. And if you hit other areas, it could even stimulate the areas where you would see pictures of things that you've seen before. So. When there's changes to the brain, whether it's because of a stroke or a tumor or trauma, it could often have that type of effect. So it's something that is quite quite common, and it does not mean it does not mean that you're sort of going crazy because you see these things. It, it's it's very very common. Next question. Uh, the question is, what about some of these types of phenomena when you do see some of these things? Do they often go away? And yes, we do see for many people they will go away, and we see for others, other people who concentrate on it all the time, they will see it even more. It's sort of like this analogy: Have you ever had a time that you were in front of some people and maybe given a speech, or you were at an interview and your nose just really itches, but you don't want to go ahead and scratch your nose at that time? But as you're thinking, my gosh, my nose itches. It itches. When is this inner going to be going over so I can scratch it? You know, as you think about things more, the sensation often becomes greater and greater. Okay, so one of the things that we try to tell people to do, similar to what Sam was talking about, you know, meditation or getting your mind off of some of those things, it could be very, very helpful. Next question. Yeah, the question is, what about if you see shadows? If you see a shadow,、uh, is that anything to be concerned with? And yes, yes. If you do see something like that, that's going to be a shadow or an area that's darker or even an area that's blind in your vision. This is something that you do want to go and have your eye doctor take a look at. When the retina detaches, we often will have people who will see a shadow,、uh, depending on the location of where the retina is detached. A person might see something that looks like a scalloped curtain that's going to be going up and down in the eye. So any of those types of things that really seem to be abnormal to you, you really always want to be safe to go ahead and have your eye doctor check that out. Yes, go ahead. Okay. The question is, what about conditions 
if you suddenly see things as being foggy, but only in different types of lighting, where it's a bit subdued, or it's a little bit dimmer. Now, the first thing, just as you have done, it's important to go ahead and to make certain that it is not because of high pressure. It's difficult many times to determine if it is or is not high pressure because you are not in a position where you have an instrument to measure your pressure when that happens. Let's say that you go inside a particular room in your home that's dark and subdued and you suddenly see things very foggy. The next day you call your eye doctor and your doctor then measures your pressure and at that point your vision might be very different. So you really want to make certain that you can get this checked where your doctor will check the pressure of your eye and you might even try to simulate that condition inside the doctor's office. If it is when things are dimmer, what we see sometimes happens is that the pupils of the eye it dilates when it's dimmer. When the pupils of the eye dilate, in some patients, it's very rare, but in some patients, when the pupils dilate, the pressure of the eye goes up because as the pupil dilates, it tends to close the drainage system of the eye. So the pressure could go up quite quickly in a situation when you're in a darker room and the pupil is dilating. Another type of thing that I would then look at is I would then be looking at what is the diagnosis of your eye. It sounds to me that that symptom that you mentioned there is often related to changes to some of the cells of the retina. We know that the cone cells of the retina helps the eye to quickly, to quickly adjust to different lighting conditions. So if you suddenly go from a bright room into a dark room, and then suddenly it becomes foggy under that condition, it's often because that the cone cells of the retina are having a hard time adjusting to that new lighting condition. It also could be something where under dimmer lighting, the pupil dilates, and now we see that light is then going to pass through the edges of the lens inside the eye. So some people have what's called a cortical, and that's called spelled C-O-R-T-I-C-A-L, a cortical cataract that's out on the outer edges. So under dim illumination, the pupil dilates, the light goes through those areas where there's a cataract on the edges, and you'll see things that's going to be sort of foggy. So in, in your case, it sounds like if the doctors did really check the pressures, and the pressures are always low, and they did check the lens for a cataract, and they did check the vitreous for any kind of haze, then it might be that it's something that is related to a a retina problem. And in these types of situations, it might be that you might benefit from different types of nutritional supplements for the retina, something that we talked about on our previous podcast, something perhaps like lutein. We find that other folks, they might be a bit deficient in their vitamin A, which affects how quickly they adjust from light to dark. And then optically, we might often find that for someone such as you, we might fit you with a pair of slightly tinted glasses so that your eyes don't have to adjust from one extreme to the next. So you might want to go ahead and talk to your low vision optometrist to see if there's something that uh, he or she could do about that. Often a sort of a yellowish lens or a slightly amber yellow lens 
might be helpful in reducing those kinds of adjustments to glare so that when you're in a bright light you could wear the yellow amber lens and then if you do have to go into a darker room like that where you're having the problems with the fog you then take the glasses off and then the eye would adjust faster next question okay the question is what about a situation when you first wake up in the morning your vision's kind of foggy and hazy and then within a minute or two minutes things start to get clearer well the reason for this is that when we first wake up we often have a situation where the cornea or the front of the eye is a bit dry so when you then start to blink your eyes it then causes the tears to start to lubricate the front of the eye and that will then clarify your vision so if your vision is blurry when you first wake up and then it starts to become clearer as you blink your eyes or within the next five minutes or so that usually an indication of a little bit of a need for maybe an artificial tear when you first wake up in the morning another thing that you may also do what's good for most people to do if you have a little bit of a dry eye when you start to feel yourself waking up in the morning keep your eyes closed you know sometimes we have the response that we want to just open our eyes real quickly now when we open the eyes very quickly like that sometimes it pulls some of the cells off of the cornea and that will blur your vision so when you wake up in the morning I recommend you keep your eyes closed and as you then know that your eyes are still closed I would squeeze them tight you know three or five times when you squeeze your eyes tight like that it's gonna help to secrete a little bit of tears so I would keep my eyes closed squeeze them tight about three or five times and then while my eyes are closed I'll move my eyes around slightly and then I'll open them and that's a way that you won't have as much of a problem where the cells of the cornea are getting dried out and being pulled off so that's a good thing to do yes go ahead okay well the question is what about if you ever see things that look like a amoeba sometimes these amoeba might be things that are translucent and you could see through it or they might have white edges and they look like things that are moving in the corner or in the center event of your vision yes these are again things that we call floaters okay and within the eye the eye is filled with a vaseline type of a gel and what we know is that with time the Vaseline gel becomes a little bit more watery that's called liquefaction so sometimes these little bubbles of fluid and the vitreous gel are going to be moving and when you move your eyes in a certain direction it will then get into your field of sight so these little things might be floating all around the inside of your eye and there's something that's quite quite common I remember when I was a kid I used to see these things and I used to tell everybody you know I could see germs I could see bacteria and everybody just thought I was crazy but these are things that are again uh, relatively common things that we tend to see like that another type of a similar type of a cause of this could also be that sometimes with debris in your tear film you might have some slight debris in your tear film that could also cause similar types of visual appearances but it's more often the vitreous gel in the back of the eye being a little bit watery and that's something it's a form of a, a floater yeah the question is why why would one see something like this even if you were perfectly sedentary sitting still just looking straight ahead why would that happen 
Well, again, because the inside of the eye, which is called the vitreous gel, it's a fluid. So a lot of these different types of components are actually moving within the eye. And everybody's eyes, even when you think your eyes are steady, they're not steady. There's a very small degree of movement, which is called micronystagmus. So this small type of movement is something that is going to cause a lot of these types of vitreous components to be moving. So it is very, very common that a person might say, I'm just looking straight ahead, and suddenly it just came into view. And it might move a millimeter or two millimeters, and then it can cast a different type of a shadow. So what we know is that sometimes if it's closer to the retina, it'll have a stronger appearance, and then if it moves forward, farther from the retina, it will then disappear. Okay, any other questions? Okay, the question is, is there any relationship between a dry eye and a macular wrinkle? And the answer to that, no. That would just be coincidental. If your eyes happen to be dry, that's affecting the outside of your eye, and the macula is on the inside of the eye. So dry eyes won't cause any kind of wrinkling to the macula, or also vice versa. Wrinkling to the macula won't affect the outside most of the time we see that dry eye is related to reduction of tear flow as a result of the lack of water. Many times we could treat dry eyes by just simply telling people to drink more water. Number two, we also will see that it could be because of vitamin deficiency. Many times people have a vitamin A deficiency and that's going to affect tear flow. And then we see that other types of conditions could affect it as well. If a person has arthritis, that could also cause that type of a problem. So, if any of you have other types of questions that relate to other things, remember, you could always email me, and my email is bill at drbill, D-R-B-I-L-L, foundation.org, bill at drbillfoundation.org, and I'd be happy to answer any of those types of questions. So, I hope that you tune in next time as we have our next month's lecture here for the Council of Citizens of Low Vision International. And we hope to see all of you at the convention.